see, you seem to work in cycles because the last time I spoke to you, and granted, this was uh, I guess several years ago now. Um, the the uh, collection of your charcoal work had just come out, so you, you see, you seem to kind of uh, you know uh, move away from and then move back towards comics over the years. I guess that's true. You know, I just do what makes sense to me to do at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I can't. I don't really have a, a fixed career path or a fixed working <laughs> itinerary or anything. I just uh, wake up in the morning, and if I don't have a project, I find a new one. And if I do have a project, I work on that. Yeah. And it just there's no rhyme or reason to it at all. I just uh, get up and I work, and I see how things go. Are you ever? Do you, uh, you don't have any large spells when you're not when you're not working I mean, it sounds like you're pretty no 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 the proof of that is that i still have a house yeah no i work all the time because you know it's my job yeah. and uh, i have to put in more hours than i would if i had a regular job and i have to work weekends and everything but uh, there's never there's never a stretch of any considerable duration where i'm not working i don't take vacations i don't take a week off ever i'm always working i yeah i i'm 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 that i'm that way too and i you know i just again as i was telling you on the the elevator right up here i I recently started freelancing and that um has really messed with my mind in a big way from you know versus 10 years of of getting on the subway going into work coming home and having home be home but it's it's i i'm 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 having trouble sort of uh you know separating the two separating not working from working at this point it's just i'm always i'm always kind of more or less in the office right now yeah that's the way it is for me yeah when i'm not actually working in the studio i'm thinking about what i'm going to be doing if i'm watching tv or at the movies or on a bus, I take out my pocket sketchbook and yeah. I, I work in it. I'm always working. Is 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 that work ethic? Is that really just a product of um, of, of economics, or is that just the way the way you were built? It's it's a combination of those things. I do have a strong work ethic, and I I do feel that if if I'm not coming up with ideas, then I'm wasting time. Yeah. But it's also it's just it's I don't know how to describe how to describe it other than to say it's my life's work it's my my avocation yeah i like to do it it's i feel like that's what i'm meant to do it's never anything i have to i feel i have to get out of there are times when i'm so burned out i can't do it for 24 hours sure and i just have to go stare at the sun or something for a while but uh it's just what i do you know like a a hunting dog hunts and a, a flea sucks your blood and i make these things yeah i you know it's it's just it is i've i've spoken to plenty of cartoonists who you know have to kind of kill themselves to sit down especially something especially something like making making a comic where you know you you walk into your your studio you kind of shut yourself off from the rest of the world and you come out six months later and 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 you have a book yeah that's true but it's not just comics it's any kind of uh, any kind of long duration mm project at all it's you're you're spending you're, you're you're spending the same kind of hours when you're when you're working on a painting versus when you're working on a comic yeah yeah i basically i get up fairly early and yeah. i get to work by eight usually and i just work until my eyes don't focus anymore <laughs> which is about 12 hours later yeah when 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 you're when you're on the train when you're out in the world when you're you're getting these ideas I mean at, at what point is it clear to you what how 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 this work is going to end up manifesting itself? It depends on the situation. Sometimes I'll get an idea that is complete in itself, and all I have to do is work it out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get a vague impression, and I can spend weeks trying to figure out what it is actually that's calling to me. Yeah. And sometimes I just have to go out and make something up so that I'll have something to draw. If I don't have inspiration, I just I just put something together that I know will be interesting at the very least yeah. because of the components involved and the way they're juxtaposed. I, I, what I, I'm I'm really curious as to to what these things kind of look like in in their nascent state. Again, you know, when you've got the sketchbook on you when you're out in the world and, and you draw something, like how does it? You're you're reaching for. Well, I can show you. I can show you. Exactly. Hold on. Let me sit down. Sure, I can grab this from you. (laughs) I think I left it in my other coat. Yeah, this is. uh, It's a moleskin. 
Yeah, one of these little Moleskina things. Yeah, hundreds of these. Well, I've been filling up one a month for years. So, uh, let's see. Okay, so they, I mean, these are pretty okay, this fully a, formed images. Yeah, this is a drawing I did Christmas morning at a restaurant. And, uh, it's like a Hieronymus Bosch, it looks well, like. Well, yeah, it, it does kind of have that quality. It's a picture of uh, a, a frog devouring lots of frightened-looking people while a, a girl looks on happily. The final picture is going to be very different. These are some guys I observed around mm -hmm. town. This is a drawing my son made. Drawings for other projects. So you can see they're just sketches yeah. and things that... Uh, Eventually, they'll, the bad ones will be erased, and yeah. the good ones will be worked up, and I'll have a, a little idea battery full of images that I can... I give you this guy again. That I can uh, refer to when I'm doing the work. It, it's pretty clear, though, as, as, you're, as you're flipping through this book. I mean, you know, we looked at a, a few dozen images in there. It's clear um, what is going to become something else and what, what it's going to become. It is to me. Yeah. I wouldn't expect it to be clear to well, anybody sure. else. Sure. There's a lot of drawings in there of a, a, a girl with kind of a 60s beehive for a hmm. project that I'm just sort of tentatively working up with an eye to seeing if I have the time and yeah. the resources to do it. Let's let's talk. Well, let, let, let's let's talk about the the frog one real quickly. I mean, you said that this is going to look different when when you're done with it. It sounds like you've actually got a pretty good notion right now of what the final version yeah, is. Yeah, in fact like. I just I just transferred the final drawing to a okay. a canvas and I'll start painting it when I get back home. But uh originally when I when I first had this conception it was just it was, you know, sort of a monstrous Jupiter devouring yeah. the sun's kind yeah. of image of a frog just grabbing handfuls of people <laughs> and stuffing them into its mouth while this girl looks on. And I gave the girl I drew the girl holding a ball. Mm -hmm. because I wanted her to have something in her hands and I just put that in as a place marker. Yeah. And when it was done, I thought, you know, this reminds me of that fairy tale of the girl who drops the golden ball into the water mm -hmm. the, and the frog gives it back yeah, to yeah, her yeah, and yeah. says, you know, you have to marry me. And yeah. So I guess there's elements of that in it. But the way it ended up working out when I finally sort of resolved what was happening there and I, I realized that having this frog eat people like that, as you said, oh, it looks like Hieronymus Bosch. Mm -hmm. It does look like a riff. Yeah, on, on a on a fifteenth century or Goya, you just mentioned. Yeah, 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 yeah. It it just it looks like a a riff on a classical theme, and I don't want it to be that. Yeah. So what it ended up being is the frog is coming up out of a lake, and he's got his mouth open, and people are coming out of it. And there's a middle aged man and a woman, and a girl, and they're all kind of reacting in astonishment to the outside world, which they're sort evidently seeing for the first yeah. time. This place that they're in. And the frog's tongue is extending, and there's another girl standing on the tip of it, kind of posing, a little bit, a little bit of Botticelli going on there. Mm -hmm. And they're obviously immigrants in this world, yeah. which is not a familiar world. It's, in fact, it looks inhospitable. But they're glad to be there, so God only knows where they came from. And there's a numerological thing going on. The frog is a monad, and the girl is a lesser monad and the three people in the frog forming some kind of a unit. I don't know why, but it just works. It resonates beautifully. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to going back and painting it in a high key. So, uh, you know, I know I'm on the right track when I can say, okay, this is right, this works, this is good, but when it's done, I'll figure out exactly why. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, you've got you've got a pretty... You know, granted, you haven't filled in all the pieces here, but it sounds like you got you've got a pretty solid narrative worked out. I mean, you've there, there, there's an actual there's a storyline. It's, it's it's abstract, but there's a storyline of sorts working in that painting for you. Yeah, a storyline, or at least an event. Yeah. Something is happening there that has it's a, it, it does have an anecdotal quality, and it has to ring true as far as I'm concerned in order to be a good picture. I mean, the idea of a frog huge frog shoveling human beings into its mouth is dramatic mm -hmm. and it's even interesting in its own right but it's also a real simple idea and it's a reflection of a lot of other monster ideas mm -hmm. i wanted and it just it just it was just flat it just didn't have the frisson that i wanted it to have so i and i didn't feel that i had it i felt you know i just i this image is not coming to focus for me so i stayed with it until it did and then when i had something that made sense i tested it stress tested it to make sure that it would hold 
itself up, and I, I came away thinking, you know, this, the elements are there. This constellation is in place. Mm. This, will, this will resonate when it's done, depending on how well I do it. What, is, what does stress testing mean in that, in that context? Well, and they, just whether or not it'll bear scrutiny, whether or not, huh. uh, you know, lots of times uh, certain ideas look great. Yeah. And then after you become a little familiar with them, you realize they're somewhat cliched. Mm. Or they don't have the power that uh, you thought they would. In the same way that there are songs that immediately impress you as being great, but they wear out their welcome quickly. And there are other songs that you don't like, but they stick, they intrigue you. They get under your skin, yeah. and you keep listening to them. And, all, and then eventually you realize that the things that impressed you sub, unconsciously are now impressing you consciously, and you're enjoying them. So, so it, but it's your own scrutiny that you're talking about, right? Well, yeah, I, it is, but I'm also thinking, I'm not. Yes, it's it's my own scrutiny, but I'm I'm, I'm like the the quality yeah. test agent. I just have to make sure everything's there yeah. before I let it out. But that so 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 the ideal scenario in something like this is is somebody. Um, you know, goes goes to the gallery or sees it in whatever context they see it in, and uh, they work that story out in their head, or at least they have some story to work out in their head that isn't falling into uh, some very clear cliche. Yeah, yeah. I would like them to look at it and think, oh, this this intrigues me, mm-hmm. and to either to find a reason why it intrigues them or doesn't. Yeah. But I don't want them to look at it and go, oh, you know, I like that picture. But after I looked at it for a little while, I realized that it was uh, it was a false impression. There's nothing really there. Where does what what role does this comedy play in that? I mean, you know, a lot of what you do, I think, at least on some level, is is very funny. You know, I look at the um, the Jesus and the bear picture, and that's obviously like it's a good joke. <laughs> but you know, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's a funny picture, but yeah. I mean, that's a sincere yeah. religious picture. I painted that picture as a specifically yeah. as a rebuttal to Mel Gibson's snuff movie. I oh, wanted to show I wanted to yeah. show a Jesus who could take a beating and smile and still be blissful. Okay. Wouldn't be shrieking yeah. like anybody would if you're whipping him. Yeah. I wanted to show a Jesus who could transcend pain and not only love his enemies, but yeah. love a creature to that extent. So this bear has mauled him terribly, and Jesus has not only forgiven it, he's brought it to a state of super consciousness, mm-hmm. and now the bear is like one of his disciples. Yeah, the, the yeah. The 13th disciple. I don't know. I realize it's a funny picture, but yeah. I, I meant it to be a really sincere, straightforward thing. I mean, it can it can be both, right? I mean, obviously, there's on the face of it, there's something very absurd about the idea of him making a bear his thirteenth apostle. There well, is, there I mean, is some I mean, comedy I, yeah, built in. Yeah, that's that. I don't think that's quite the. I mean, I was, I was taking a little bit of liberty. Well, yeah, when but I, I mean, said like, that, I look at I look at the picture and I sort of like you know, w- without knowing the exact backstory and w- without knowing um, why you specifically painted this, I see a picture of you know looking like. Yeah, looking like Jesus trying to sort of convert somebody or trying to make him his disciple and having been having been mauled in the process. Yeah, but he has converted the bear. Yeah. The bear is shooting, shed, shooting, shedding <laughs> tears of joy, you know. Yeah. He's got his paws in the supplication mode. It's uh, – I, I realize it's a, a funny picture. Yeah. But it was not intended to be. It was a straightforward uh, spiritual document intended to be. Is that – is that bad that you know when when somebody sees it and just and kind of laughs a, laughs a little bit and and moves on? No, not no. at all, not at all. I I I, I don't care <laughs> what people think about my work as long as they give it a second look. Yeah, well, that's and that's a, that's a big difference between comics and 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 paintings or, or the amount of. I mean, obviously, comics take a, a long time to do, but, but they also, granted, a lot of people move them pretty quickly especially in the case of wordless comics but you know people sit down and are taking the time I and mean, they are reading a book versus a painting on a, on a wall which it's it's really easy to i mean there's you know there's this very hotel-y looking painting on this wall right here <laughs> that is there's, minimalist, isn't it? yeah it is uh, some sort of like horizon line or something but that to most people that's Art is just a thing that hangs on the wall and is kind of, you know, it's it's like wallpaper for some people. It's just sort of around, right? Well, that's true. And I've run into a lot of people who you can't interest with the greatest art in the world. So I guess I'm not working for them. Yeah. But for people who are interested in art and who like to and who feel that it's a two-way street and who 
actually can feel that an an artist has let them down or let themselves mm. down or not held up their their part of the bargain. Yeah. I, I I think that that's a really good attitude. Do Do you feel the need to to delineate um, the, the the aesthetics between you know what what ends up in a in a comic and what ends up on on a painting? I mean, obviously, the, the amount of time you're spending working on is going to be different. You're not going to paint every single panel, but um, does something have to look a certain way for it to be like you know you're kind of the far the fine arts side of your brain the the thing that's gonna the hang, hang on a wall? Not as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but I realized that uh, people, generally speaking, I think people need to be reassured that a piece of work wants to be taken seriously before hmm. they will take it seriously. Hmm. And so I feel that I have to. Uh, I can't. I think comics. Or not comics, excuse me. I think that cartoons are are the most potent visual art form there is, because you're not you're drawing what's inside you. Yeah, you're not drawing anything the way it looks. You're drawing it the way you want it to look in order to make hmm. a point. And to me, that's real creativity. Yeah. Much more than you know, photorealistic painting or portraiture or landscapes. No matter how much emphasis you put on the uh, stylistic machinations that create a portrait the it's it's still a portrait and a portrait is judged by a pretty narrow set of criteria whereas you know cartooning addresses a much wider spectrum of possibilities. Hmm. When you do a cartoon of a person, it's not a portrait. It's a symbolic picture of something you're trying to convey. Yeah. And to me, that's, 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 those, that's the key to the kingdom right there. People don't take cartoons seriously. Mm-hmm. But uh, you mentioned Hieronymus Bosch. By my lights, he's a cartoonist. You can hmm. look at the way he draws hands and feet and see mm-hmm. that he's a cartoonist. I would say, you know, when you look at Rembrandt's read pen drawings that he did before he you know his conceptual pictures yeah. if you look at his study for the return of the prodigal son it's it's a beautifully drawn cartoon the yeah. the brother who's looking angrily at the son who's being received back into the fold his head is down his brow is just a curved line over the eyes and he's it's just like it's like nancy or something it's just this very simple beautiful cartoon mm. of an angry young man yeah and it's got a lot more verve and drive and, to my way of thinking, virtuosity in that way than the finished painting that, that was derived from it. After he hired models and set the whole thing up and drew it realistically, it lost that particular punch. And you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Goya before, and then, you know, I look at that specific painting and that uh, that looks like a you know a frazetta or yeah. even like a even like a kirby comic i mean that does it does it looks like a panel from from a comic to yeah me. yeah and his other uh his other black paintings are the same and even yeah. the capriccios and some of the disasters hmm. some of the disasters are straightforward reportage you know um limbless torsos jammed into trees yeah. and things and they look like he drew them from life but especially in the Capriccios, he's making things up. He's doing symbolic pictures, and those are the interesting ones. Those are the ones that only Goya could have done because they reflect his particular mind. You and you know, you you bring up. Um, I mean, you know, we're I, obviously t- today, yesterday, we're in a really interesting time in terms of the um, the, the power of of cartooning. Oh yeah. You know, given I mean, this this is going to probably go up in a couple of weeks, but I, I think it's probably going to still be pretty fresh in people's minds what, what what happened what happened in France I mean you you mentioned you meant or you know I brought up the the the, the Jesus painting and it, it I don't know if political is the right word but again I didn't I didn't wasn't aware of the context but you were very clearly trying to get a, a point across and you know maybe a, a somewhat controversial point through through that uh, through that painting is that how often do, 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 does that sort of thing make its way into your work well, rarely as uh, recognizable as <laughs> in that case. That's the, I, that's the only painting like okay. that that I've ever done. And arguably, like, you know, recognizable because, you know, it's, it, it's almost even still hard to know exactly what sort of point you're getting across again if I'm looking at that and it's just sort of kind of a funny painting to me. 
it's not it's certainly not something that was that seems to have been painted to kind of provoke uh a really a visceral reaction in the in the way that these you know these political cartoons were were talking about are well, I guess in that case it was because mm. it, it, you know it was uh, I was trying to undo some of the mischief Mel yeah. Gibson did, and that that's unusual for me to for my work to relate that directly to either the real world or to establish myths yeah. like the you know the various Jesus stories. So that picture is kind of unusual for me. Generally speaking, I'm not interested in current events or religious stories or fairy tales or other myths i'm mm. interested in trying to express what i what i feel about this experience well let's so you know when when, when you when you say experience i mean like you know let's let's just I, I think that you know let's use the frog example um since, since that's something that's relatively fresh in your mind you know what is what is what is that experience is that something that has um you know, pretty uh, that has real world implications for you. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know that. That's a, a work in progress. I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know how it's going to read. It. When I said earlier that some pictures come full blown and some have to be yeah. worked up, and they they arrive via a, a, a long, a hard road. This is one of them. Uh, so I don't really. I don't really know. I up and you know it up until recently everything that I've written or drawn or tried to convey in a piece of artwork has reflected the uh I don't even know how to put this even <laughs> though I've thought obsessively about it for years. I just have a way of seeing the world. Yeah. I almost feel like I was born in an explosion with a huge gong being hit and smoke filling the air and I'm just my ears are still ringing and I'm still dazed there's a quote by I just heard by Gracie Allen where she mm. said when I was born I was so surprised I didn't speak for a year and a half and I kind of <laughs> when I was born I was so surprised I didn't get over it until I was in my early 60s which is how old I am now yeah. everything I've done up until now has been reflecting that surprise at just finding myself here and and my astonishment that the world just seems to be crawling with 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 shadows and and yeah. hidden forces and things which are which which play very little role in the quotidian life of yeah. the world. Yeah, they're they're things people think about and refer to, and which emerge in speculative horror fiction and that kind of thing. But that doesn't have much of a place in our daily life. Sure, you don't deal with them on your commute to work, or most people don't. Yeah, or people yeah. Don't talk about them at parties very yeah. much. I, so. But it's what interests me, and that's uh, all my work has just been trying to capture these mm. sensations and feelings and put them down. Starting with the work that I did this year that's going to be at Scott's Gallery, I started trying to say things. With, mm. where I guess the first time I did that was with the Jesus painting. But, I, but with the paintings and drawings that I've done for this show over the last year, I've really tried to come up with things images that express something that I wanted to put forth. Hmm. So I wasn't just receiving artwork, I was actually you're molding, creating yeah. Yeah. for a change which I usually which I usually don't do. That's interesting. So that does that mean that in some sense that it's it's almost starting out as as words on a page versus a, a picture on a page? Well, uh starting out as ideas that could be easily expressed in words okay. certainly. But I'm just beginning to do this. I don't even know if I can. I'm putting huh. aside other work trying to do this just because, for one thing, I feel it's time for a change. And yeah. for another thing, I think it might be a rich vein. So uh, I don't really know how it's going to shake out. I'll be interested in seeing if people who know my work can just, can see any difference yeah. between this yeah. new stuff and the old stuff. It's pretty clear to you when you, work, when you look at it that it's a completely different part of your brain. Well, oh, yeah. 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 But I don't want it to be clear to other people. Yeah. I don't want people to say, oh, well, this, you know, here he's doing this and here he's doing that. I just want people to go, huh, and look at it and feel enough about it that they want to look at it twice. Yeah. Like like I say, I want people to look at my work twice. That's all I want. We, again, the last time that, the last time that I interviewed with you, it was around those, the, those charcoal works and, um, 
those seem to be a pretty pretty clear manifest. I mean, you've spoken about this, I think, at length, but I mean, those were a pretty direct manifestation of things that you were seeing, right? Yeah, yeah. Can can you can you describe that 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 experience? You know, I don't know if I can. Uh, <laughs> You've tried, surely. Yeah, I have tried. It's 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 a variant of that question. Where do you get your ideas? Yeah, and the answer is I don't know. They just come. Yeah, but but you but you 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 know you've expressed that that you you actually see things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do, or I have. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't had a, a good solid hallucination in almost four years. Huh. So uh, that that's been slowly winding down. But those but. but Seldom, I, I, seldom are these hallucinations that I have the actual subject matter for pictures. Mm. I mean, the frog that that big green frog thing that I've drawn is, and some other things yeah. have been. Uh, you know, I just I just don't know where they come from. I just I just uh, kind of move through these images, and yeah. eventually something. It's like, it's like if you're looking to take a picture, and you'll be driving through a landscape or, and all of a sudden you'll see something and you go, oh, that would make a good picture. Yeah. Even though you've seen lots of trees and lots of other combinations of the things that are that you might take pictures of. Yeah. You see this one thing yeah. and you go, Framing, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, everything that I want is yeah. there. And that that's the way it is with this. I'll Ideas will pass through my head and I'll mull things over and think about things and then the right combina- combination pops up and I think that's it. Yeah. And sometimes it's real clear, and all I have to do is transcribe it. And other times it's vague but powerful, and I have to bring it into the light. And sometimes I don't bring it into light enough before I draw it, and the picture doesn't quite have the resonance that it should. And sometimes I bring it into the light real quickly. And to me, that picture has a tremendous amount of power. Is that I? You know, I I have this. I, I think this is probably the case with, with everybody. But you know, it's this when 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 I dream at night. You know, if I don't if I don't immediately write down what the dream is, it it evaporates really quickly. Right. Um, part of that, I think, is the, the sleep state versus the the waking state. But is that do, do you have to be really close to having seen that to really to to get that down in a meaningful way? Well, it doesn't disappear. Mm. The things stick around. Mm. They're just they just uh, like I I can sense that they're there in the dark. And it's a matter of bring, finding them and either letting my eyes adjust to the dark so I can see them or bringing them into the light yeah. one way or the other. I have to see what it is. And sometimes I can never get – my eyes just don't work well enough for me to actually see what it is. There's a painting in the show. I'm not even going to say what it is. Yeah. But it's – you know, the, 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 the composition came to me and I liked it and I – turned it into something and when it was done I thought you know this isn't at all what I had in mind this isn't even something I want to say mm. but by then it was too late I had done the picture invested <laughs> all that time in it. I think it's a good picture yeah. but it's an alien picture to me I don't recognize it I don't know what it's about uh. and even though it resonates it doesn't resonate in a way that I'm familiar with so I'll be interested in seeing what other people think about it do you, do you enjoy that act of, of, of walking around and and Ex- almost explaining pictures to people, or at least um, telling telling them these these sorts of stories. I like the idea of doing it. I like to talk about my work. I like it when people are interested mm-hmm. in my work. But the reality is usually disappointing. I find that when you explain to people yeah. what the work is about, it has a bad effect one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said you said that the 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 visions were winding down. Do you? Do you miss them at all? Is it, it now that it's not as as much a part of your life? I'm. I feel when I say, you know, I haven't had a solid hallucination yeah. in four years. It's like saying I'm old. I, I I can't chew goat meat anymore. I can't drive. They took away my driver's license. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like it's a diminishment somehow. Yeah. Even though those things never really did me much good, and sometimes well, they I mean, really shocked me. Yeah. I mean, those those things are, are are fun and interesting for me, and and they're interesting to talk about. But I never thought there was, with one or two notable exceptions, I mm. thought they were just neurological misfires mm-hmm. and didn't really have much to say to me. Maybe not. Maybe not literally. I mean, you know, may, you know, maybe maybe nobody was 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 telling you what to do. But it sounds like they played such an important part in your work that you know, it sounds like they're they're a pretty. They, they they've been a pretty fundamental part of you being an artist. Well, they were when I was younger. That yeah. was that was definitely the true because they were like, uh, 
You know, it was just like you'd be walking down the street and somebody would sneak up behind you and play a loud trombone blast yeah. into your ear. It's startling. Yeah. I mean, these things are that alarming when they occurred. Huh. And it, to be the only one that they were happening to, I mean, it, it kind of isolated me a little bit because yeah. I was really interested in these things that nobody else could see, and it kind of made me a, a monomaniac off in a corner in a way that, that other people couldn't relate to. So it's it, it sort of... I don't think that was necessarily a good thing for me socially, but it definitely, it definitely made me want to be an artist. Yeah, I mean, it was all all these things are the the how shall I put it the just the interest that these things held for me was was so, you know if you're I I, I went to the about 10 years ago I was at the mall getting something and a neighbor lady saw me and she came up and she said hi Jim and when I turned to look at her her head looked like someone had taken a balloon and covered it with dryer lint and let it dry and then popped the balloon so it was just a crust of dryer lint and then pushed a hole in it with her hand and then put a bunch of pieces of chewed up chewing gum at the base of it and that was what was sitting on her neck and I turned around and saw her, and I looked at this thing, and I focused on it, and I saw the gum and everything, and I just screamed. You know, and everybody in the store looked at yeah. me, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. Yeah. Well, that was far and away the most interesting thing that happened to me at the mall that day, <laughs> or, or anywhere that yeah. day. That was a major event for yeah. me, you know? And I, I, you know, if I'd come home and I had said, you know what, I was, I was at the Northgate Mall, and I saw a woman walk up to a man and throw a, a glass of hydrochloric acid yeah. in his face it was it was it was like that shocking you know it was a big thing to see and i've had so many incidents like that they just have kind of put me off by myself in a way mm. because it, there's nobody nobody ever says oh yeah i know what you mean yeah i mean the, you know the flip side of that though is is you know the 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 uh, the thousands the hundreds of thousands of artists out there who just kill themselves to have some sort of like you know divine moment like that to have a very literal clear vision of 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 something yeah well i guess it's i guess i'm lucky i'm an artist i've talked to a lot of people who had visions and apparitions and and much worse than mine when they were children but uh, they didn't want to be artists they weren't interested in cultivating that or expressing it so they got past that as quickly as yeah. I could where I've worked to keep those channels of communication open yeah I'm always I've always been receptive to that stuff and I always wanted it to keep happening how old were you when you had the first one? Oh god I don't know just a little kid I'm just I'm wondering that just just from the standpoint of like how long it took you to actually be able to translate these into works in some kind of meaningful way well i didn't and not until i was 26 years oh wow old. okay yeah yeah I, yeah I tried to do it but i just didn't have the discipline i was not a good artist and i was not plugged into society enough to know where to go to look for these things i didn't know about surrealism until mm. i was in high school yeah i'd never heard of salvador dali or max ernst or Giorgio de carico yeah. or any of those guys and then some friends took me to a major surrealism and Dada exhibition at the LA County Art Museum and the first picture I saw was De Carico's Song of Love with mm-hmm. the red rubber glove and the, the, the plaster bust and I saw that and I just I couldn't move <laughs> the implications were that you know there were adults who were interested in yeah. this kind of elusive unprecedented mystery Yeah, it was a revel it was literally a revelation to me and then going in there and seeing those pictures which I didn't realize at the time are all infused with sex. That's what makes surrealism tick. <laughs> but you know, Salvador Dali's Invisible Man painting was there with mm-hmm. those Gradivas hanging off the edge, those women in tatters hanging by the hair with their faces turned away from you. My God! Hmm. I saw that and I just thought, there are not only people doing this, they're geniuses. Yeah. They know this. They're masters. And this museum is showing these things. And all these men and women did this. This is an established thing. This, yeah. this even this, respectable. This pursuit. Yeah, I've got I've got <laughs> brothers and sisters out there. You know, yeah. I didn't know that. I had no idea that was going on. So what? What were you an artist of any any kind prior to that? I wanted to be. Yeah, I always 
it's weird because I was never able to draw well. My ninth grade teacher sent me home art. My ninth grade art teacher sent me home with a note to my parents saying, uh, Jim should be discouraged from trying to draw and paint. He doesn't have any talent. <laughs> and I didn't. Uh, it took me a long, long time to be able to draw well enough to put together a picture that satisfied me. And that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a picture that I could look at that would affect me the same way those de Caracos and Ernsts did when I saw them. I wanted to make pictures I could look at and fall into and let my eyes wander over and think, what is this? What is going on here? Why am I feeling these emanations from this thing? Why why stick with it, though? I mean, if you felt like mo- mo- most people, they, they feel like they don't have any sort of innate talent in something, they'll kind of you know pick up and move on to something else. Well, I have the subject matter. Yeah. I just didn't have the technique. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's because it's... At, because that was my story I've always been most fond of that kind of artwork I don't frequently you'll see a painting where somebody has learned how to draw or paint really well they've gone to an atelier or something and they've got great technique and you can see they've been trying to think of something to put it to other than drawing conventional portraits so they'll uh, they'll make it strange in kind of a mundane way you know they'll uh, have a, a woman and she'll have animal feet or something or there'll be a couple of people talking and they'll have this magritte stiffness and there'll be something floating in the yeah. air above them and it you know you admire the technique but it doesn't have any emotional or metaphysical resonance whereas a lot of those surrealist paintings like you know de Carico and uh Yves Tanguy they they weren't very technically yeah. adept but the, the ideas just just you know, leech into the welkin from the canvas, and when you're looking at them, you're in their spell. I remember, I remember years ago watching a, a documentary about Picasso, and uh, there there was a lot about his his father, who was a painter, right? Who, was, who painted a lot of pigeons, right? Was his main subject matter. I remember watching this at the time and not knowing much about fine art, and just sort of hearing the narrator kind of almost harangue Picasso's father. And, you know, I'm looking at these pigeons. I'm like, these are pretty d- good-looking pigeons. These look like pigeons. It was hard for me to wrap my mind around, you know, why Picasso is a genius, but his father, who could paint a very competent pigeon, was a hack. I felt the same way. I thought his father got short shrift. <laughs> I thought that was very discouraging. Yeah, well, there's a lot of mysteries connected with art and <laughs> yeah. perception. Who knows? You said that you you um you didn't actively discourage the 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 visions, but I mean, I, did you how how much did you sort of kind of I guess pursue the, the the cause and try to figure out what was actually happening in in your brain to to cause these things? Well, that's all I've ever done. Hmm. That's all I've ever done. All I've ever wanted to do is to make the kind of pictures that I've seen that thrilled me. Yeah. That's all I've ever wanted to do. When I realized that people could make pictures like that and that I had the kind of ideas that could be translated into pictures like that, that's all I ever wanted to do. I guess I mean that, like, you know, from a physiological standpoint of, um, you know, I I don't want to say that something was wrong with you, but did you want to know why, what it was that was was actually, um, you know, just from a, a synapsis firing standpoint? I just figured that I was an oddball. Mm. I was a disappointment to my parents. I had the real, real misfortune of my mother's best friend having a son who was my age, who was a model citizen, yeah. just the greatest boy on earth, <laughs> the son that my I'm sure my mom wishes she had had. And I was such a immature weirdo by comparison. She used to weep over me and mm. tears of anguish and frustration because I was so not what she wanted me to be. And I just thought, case closed, I'm a weirdo. There's no answer. I was never sent to a psychiatrist. Nobody mm. ever looked into it or anything. It was just, you know, Jimmy, you, what is wrong with you? You know, and not asked in a compassionate way, but kind of screamed at mm. me, you know, and I just thought, something's wrong with me. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But uh, I guess I'm never going to make it in the real world. You know, I don't know how to act. I can't please my parents. My teachers are always mad at me. It's hard for me to make friends. But I've got this other thing. Yeah. I've got this world, which is really my world, that I'm really, really interested in. And that's where I would rather be anyhow. That's yeah. where I want to live. I want to spend the rest of my life finding places 
where that world leaks through the cracks in yeah. the consensus reality and to see what can be done with it. And finding, you know, I'm, I'm having a sort of picture of you as like that, you know, that that scene in Pinocchio where they go to the, where it's, you know, all the, all, all the other kids, like this, you know, view of you, like sort of like finding your weirdos, you know, of you, of you going oh. to the art museum, but even beyond that of really, um, getting into this underground comics movement of you, of you meeting like, you know, Gary up in Seattle and realizing that, that there are all these other people making comics, <laughs> making, making the sort of art that, you know, in a sense that you, you've been trying to make. Well, you know, as a matter of fact, I only became a cartoonist because I was self-publishing this this pamphlet, I guess you'd call it, called Jim, and it mm-hmm. didn't have any cartoons in it at all. But Gary Groth saw it, and he liked it, and he said, you know, if you put – I like the mood of this. Mm. I like what you're trying to do. But I'm a comics publisher. If you put some comics in yeah. it, publish this. And I said, I think I can draw comics. <laughs> so that's how I became a cartoonist. Yeah. I, I was trying to be a – a poet and an essayist and a, a you know a writer of belles lettres, but it turned into this opportunity came along. So I said, okay, I can do that. I can adapt. But but it it never felt like um, something intellectually, I, I guess, lower or, or lower art versus again poetry or paintings or these really traditionally high art. Well, ideas. I realized that that uh, that was the general perception, but yeah. I, I never felt that. I always okay. thought that cartooning. I've always loved cartooning, and. Uh, and um, I don't even know. You know, are you familiar with the illustrator Boris Artsabashev? I'm not. Oh well. Yeah. You have a treat in store for me. I'm going to look him up immediately. Yeah. He was. Uh, I consider him to be a cartoonist. He was an illustrator. He's famous for doing anthropomorphic machines. Okay. And uh, mostly, but he had a way of drawing that was very smooth and solid. My charcoal style is unquestionably ripped mm. off from Boris Arsabashev, <laughs> although of course he did it much, much better. I forget where I was going with this. Oh yeah, I no, so I never thought, oh I'm descending to the realms of popular art. Yeah. I just thought, you know, the 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 means don't matter. It's the effect that counts. And if some people are if people are going to say, oh that's a cartoon, it can't be any good, I can't help that. I'm not going to not do it just because somebody might not approve. Were the the autobiographical strips you're working on? Was that you sort of, you know, dipping your your toes into the the world of of more more straightforwardly surreal comics? I mean, it was you, but it was you in a dream state. Or well, it was those were real things that happened to me one yeah. way or another, and I so I had to put myself in them just to yeah. verify that it was real. So uh, all those ones with me in them are things that actually happened to me. But I guess if I if I look at that as uh, you know as part of what you were doing early on you know in this if I if I try if I try to like draw an arc uh, up until uh, you know the the work that you've been doing for I guess decades now with 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 Frank was that was that the first step in that process for you into that into that sort of more fully fully realized world that Frank exists in? Well, um, I I don't. Uh, I think the Frank world is just more perfectly realized because there's more of it. Mm. I I guess I think that from the time I was first able to make those pictures when I was 26, they've all been about more or less the same thing, hmm. which is that that there's more to this than meets the eye. Yeah. And that, the, that this is like the foam on the top of the sea mm-hmm. and that we are the foam and so we think that's all there is but there's mm. really a lot more to all this that we can't perceive but we see indications of it yeah and those indications can be really tantalizing like dreams because they don't fit logically into our world but they still have meaning for us and it's hard to say why is is frank's style you know and there's there, there, you're certainly drawing from animation from you know it feels like there's there's a lot of influence from cartoons from the 20s 30s 40s and there is that is that a way of easing people into these strange surrealistic worlds well i guess it i guess it turned out to be but that was not the intent mm. the re, the re, the way frank came about is i had drawn the character and put him on the cover of an issue of jim and then i was i had a friend named mark landman who had a magazine called buzz and he called me up one day and he said, you know, I'd like you for you to do a story for my book. 
And I said, well, what you have in mind? He goes, why don't you do a comic that looks normal but isn't? Hmm. And I said, oh, that's okay. I can do that. <laughs> and at that time, I was, you know, I was, I had made my living just by saying yes to every proposition yeah. that came along. And so this was no different. And I thought, okay, a comic that looks normal but isn't. I can do that. And I had this character, Frank, who wasn't named Frank at the time. And I had a drawing of Manhog in a sketchbook. And I just put them together and mm-hmm. threw a story. And it was all there from the first story on. Hmm. Everything was just right in place. And that just served as, as a, a world that, you know, as these ideas come up through the years that you could just sort of plug, you can plug things into in a sense? Well, um, yeah, I guess you, you could say plug things into them. Although they're usually, they usually come about more organically. Than yeah. that. The stories kind of unfold. And I see what's in them as, as I write them down. But you, the first Frank story I did, I did it and I forgot about it. Huh. And then uh, somebody offered me a chance to do a 24-page color story for another publication. I thought I should do one with that Frank character again. And that was a hit, so I thought I should do more of these things. And so I, I just do them for as long as I want to, and then I stop and I make pictures, and then I'll go back to doing Frank. About five years ago, I thought, you know, I should do 500-page Frank books just to get them out there. And so I've, I've done three of those five, and the other two are in the planning stages. That is, as far as as far as far motivation for <laughs> sitting down to write a 500-page book just to get it out there, it sounds pretty simplistic. Well, what else are you going to do? You, yeah. know? you know, I'll tell you what actually really inspired me to do those books is I read an article about uh, William Steig. Mm, mm-hmm. And the article was about how when he decided, he he has a part, he had a guy that he worked with. I don't know if he's still alive or not. But every they, once a year, they would say, well, it's time for us to do another book. Mm. And they would get together, and they would work out the book, mm-hmm. and Steig would draw it, and they'd have a book. And I thought, you know, why not why not just say i'm just going to do a book and do it yeah. because i tend to agonize over everything yeah. and it's like oh, goodbye goodbye i'm going up to my studio i'm getting onto a tramp steamer with no ticket no luggage no no don't don't wave for me at the pier i can't bear it i'll see you in six months you know i had it was like a big drama thing and yeah. i was thinking fuck me this is my job i should just say i'm going to do a hundred page yeah. book and do it yeah and lose all the sturm and drong and and namby pamby yeah. horse shit so I just did it, and it wasn't that hard. So I did a couple more, and I intend to do a couple more. I mean, that seems to be a theme: is is you realizing that you could just do something and then going and doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, is... yeah. <laughs> well, that's you know, somebody said to me, you know, the thing about is they said to me that I will say I don't know what that is, but I want to swim in it, and I'll just jump yeah. in. Yeah. And I've always been that way. I, yeah. I used to have a job in an animation industry, and I, I said, oh, yeah, I can do it. I can, I can do storyboards. I Sure, I can be. I can lead the storyboard department. Yeah. And I couldn't do storyboards, I, and I couldn't lead the department. I was a terrible boss. But I just said, sure, I'll do it. Uh-huh. I can do that. If somebody says, can you fix a water heater, I'll say, sure, because I can generally figure out how to do it. It doesn't always end well. It usually ends well. It usually ends it well. It usually ends well. Either I will walk away before I mess it up too much, or I'll do it. Yeah. I'm actually handy. I can actually do things. I don't think of myself that way. It's always a surprise when I can, but it's the truth. I can. I can do things. What role? I know, I know you're a big meditator. What 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 role is that? Does that play in your ability to um, a like you know translate these things that you're seeing into actual works and b um, to to motivate yourself to really just sort of sit down and and plan something out and and, and create it. Well, I don't know if there is a relationship, except that uh, sitting is good for your mind, mm. and it's similar in that it's a quest to f- to discover something that you sense is there but you haven't seen yet, and you want to see. Mm. And in the case of meditation, it's the self you want to see. Yeah, you want to see yourself. So, uh, I don't think it plays a role in my work. I, I have to avoid having it play a role in my work. There are lots of times I would like to do things that were more or less overtly, overtly uh, spiritual in nature because that kind of thing interests me. But uh, I don't have the authority hmm. to say anything spiritually. 
I can I can present myself as someone who's interested in it and as someone who's a devotee, but I have no spiritual authority, so I just can't say anything about that. All I know is what other people say. You you don't think you don't think you know sixty years on Earth has given you some authority to speak about the nature of things. You would think you might <laughs> wish that were the case, and it certainly has been for other people. Yeah, I've always been a slow learner. I've always yeah. been behind the curve. No, I'm I'm a I'm a very very bad aspirant. I, I'm interested in it and I do it every day, but my mind is uh, is not the right mind for that kind of thing. Most people who really really go far in the spiritual world are born with the attributes. They, they're born with a calm mind and a distaste for the world and a low sex drive and all that stuff. And that's that's just not me. <laughs> I just am not. Yeah. You know, it's it's a real struggle for me to do it at all. Is it hard? Is it hard to to silence your your brain? I mean, you know, especially somebody who like is is literally has these things just sort of enter your field of vision to 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 sit and to sit silently and to try to you know to try to get everything out. Actually, no. That's one thing that I have attained through trying to meditate all these years. Yeah. I can sit down and make my brain slow way way down. I can't stop thoughts from intruding. But I can at least shut off the mm-hmm. chaos mm-hmm. that used to be there when I would sit down. So that's that's and that's not that's not nothing. That that's uh, yeah. that's good. And I'm I'm hoping I live long enough to see it through. To see well to 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 uh, actually get to actually see the thing that I want to see, which is uh, the the thing beneath my mind. Um, do you, you know, when we, t- I, I know, I know, I, I asked you this a little bit before, but you know, do you, uh, you know, you, you, you've entered, you've entered a, a new phase of your work, and and you know, you're going to be showing off the, these paintings, and and it's and it's a pretty direct result of you not having kind of a, a, a tangible vision to 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 work off. I mean, are, is that do you think that ultimately is going to be a good thing? Um, do, do you do you wish that uh, would, would you would you like to to have those experiences again? Hmm. I guess not. I guess hmm. not because I uh, because the, I just can't see any reason to want to go backwards. Yeah. To the extent that I've I've learned anything and attained anything at all, it's been hard won, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be young again if I could. For despite the obvious benefits of, yeah. and the obvious disadvantages of being older, I wouldn't go back. There's no way. Yeah. No way. I I, I think of uh, I. But then again, you know, I'm I'm a, I was an unusually out of it, immature and stupid fool. So I've got a good reason for not wanting to mm-hmm. go back. Somebody who was like really shining in their 30s and 40s and who has lost that as they've gotten older would have a good reason to want to go back. Yeah. But for me, it's been nothing but an ascent out of the mire. So I yeah. don't want to go back at all. And you feel like having a, a, a vision again would necessarily mean going back? Well, those visions, I mean, they're hallucinations. They weren't yeah. visions. I want to have visions. Yeah. I want to have a vision. I've, that's one of the things that I really, really want to happen, and it may not. For, for, for I mean, for, for, forgive the the question, but what, what's the distinction between the two? Hallucinations, I think, are just neurological misfires. Mm-hmm. They may seem relevant. They may not. I had that that this one of this frog, which changed my life. But I really don't know if there was anything in that frog, or if it was just me ready for any kind of a catalyst to set me free. Yeah. Yeah. It was a significant event, but I don't know if it was significant because of what it was. I think it was significant because of the time it happened. And was that around twenty six, twenty seven? No, it was when I was around. I was just out of high school, mm. so I was around nineteen. And it just it was uh, it was it put it. It was my notice that I had that I shouldn't be in school i shouldn't be trying to find an entree into the straight world i should just go back and work my particular 
vein of ore and forget everything else. F- forgive me, but you saw a frog and you <laughs> decided all of this. Well, it was it was uh, it was this. Yeah, yeah. I was in a. I was out of high school. I was really, really messed up, and I was taking classes at the junior college, and. I was in an art history class and they were showing slides of ancient architecture and at the end of the slideshow the screen went white and I felt something crawl up my spine and my hair stood up and on the screen there appeared this big green rubbery amphibian who came up as if he was coming up over the top of a wall and he threw his arms down on the wall and crossed them and his mouth curved into a big frown and one eye rose that out sounds of his familiar. head and looked up. Yeah, I've drawn it hundreds yeah. of times. I put it in the first cover of... Um, I've, I've, put, I've drawn yeah. it a lot and it's appeared in print a lot in various forms. I've drawn that frog a lot of times. And I've... I used to say, oh, this is my totem animal. This is my, this is my friend. This is my celestial companion. This is my, my buddy here. This is my guide. You know? And I don't know if that was true. Yeah. It, maybe it could have been uh, an image of a you know, toadstool or something, and it would have the same effect. But that, when it happened, just the, it was just something in me telling me, get out of here, get out of this school, stop trying to blend in and fit in and be part of this group. You've got a different destiny than all these kids who are going to school so they can get normal jobs. You're not that guy. And I left school and never went back. And And... Obviously, frogs continue to play a big part in, in all of your work. Is is it are, are all do, do all of them? I mean, is that the origin of all of the frogs in a sense? Is it no, that? no, I don't think so. I just like frogs. Okay, they're, they're, well, they're 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 they're, yeah. they're I don't know what it is, but there's yeah. something. Little Lulu said, "There's nothing prettier than a frog," and I agree mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> they're real. They're fun to draw. They're weirdly anthropomorphic, even though they don't look like people. Yeah. And they're interesting, you know. They metamorphose. They live in two worlds. They yeah. sit yeah. still for hours as if they're in meditation, but they're constantly aware. Can't sneak up, sneak up on a frog. Because even though they look like they're just totally yeah. absorbed in something else, they're watching and they know when you're coming near and they take off and they move like grease lightning. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're symbolic of a lot of good things. There you go. It's Jim Woodring, uh, recorded last week at a Hilton location in Manhattan. Um, so I've got a couple of episodes that are waiting in the wings right now that will be coming up in, in, in the next few weeks. Uh, but, you know, that one went so well. I was so excited about it when we were finished with the interview that I, I couldn't wait to, to upload it and get it out into the world for all of you listeners out there. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. had a really nice moment at the end of the interview where I, I shut off the microphones and you know, he sort of casually turned to me and said, "You know, I hope, I hope you, hope you got everything you needed." Um, I don't know. You really, I don't know what you say, and uh, you know, in an instance like that, where you're like, "Oh my god, that was amazing!" I don't know if you realize, like, what a crazy conversation we just had. Absolutely, I got everything I needed. I think I just said, "Yep." got everything I needed. Thank you, Jim. Uh, so thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Jack at Fantagraphics for, for, uh, for setting that up. Um, Jim is, uh, Jim's one of those people that I've been waiting to speak with for a while. Um, I had actually interviewed him, I guess, uh, oh, well, uh, wait, long time ago now, way back in uh, 2007 for my website, the daily crosshatch. And, um, we, we touched on this a few times during, during the conversation, but at the time he had a book out called seeing things, which was a uh, collection of, of charcoal drawings, really beautiful, uh, evocative, surrealistic, uh, charcoal drawings that he had done. And the reference in the title, the title is a reference to, um, you know, these, hallucinations again that we touched on a few times during the interview so that was something that I was really interested in and um, that was something that we spoke about back then um, and and really and, and fascinating to hear uh, you know this is, this is something that I, I don't think I had heard really touched on in an interview with him the fact that that they just sort of went away one day and what that really means for him as an artist in terms of um, you know in terms of source of inspiration in terms of how he's evolving uh, things like that but it's it's kind of fascinating you know to, to have this thing that's just kind of sort of around your whole life and then all of a sudden it's not there obviously he's had no lack of inspiration um, you know if you are if you're here in New York you should 
definitely take the chance to uh, to go to the Scott Eater Gallery to check out his exhibit over there. That's in, in Dumbo, which is down under the Manha- Manhattan Bridge overpass. If you're in New York, you knew that already. If you're not in New York, um, you're probably judging us for the fact that we have a neighborhood in Brooklyn called Dumbo. But that's the way these... That's, that's the way our naming system works now. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks so much to him. Uh, thanks to, again to, to Fanographics. Thanks to Brian. As always, for editing this thing together. Thanks to Mark and everybody else at the Boing Boing Podcast Network for, for putting us up over there. If you like the show, there are plenty of other great shows to check out over on the Boing Boing iTunes page. And while you're over at iTunes, you should take the opportunity to, to rate our show. We will gladly accept any rating for you from you. Um, if you uh, you could follow us, we got a got a, 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 a Tumblr site. It's Rwellcast. .tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to find the show. You will get it uh, hours, if not days, before it is up anywhere else. If you have any feedback, it's rwildcast at gmail.com. As I mentioned, lots of good shows lined up. We'll be coming back. Uh, well, well, we'll be coming back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. <laughs> <laughs>